Greece, 1171 BCE. Three brothers stood on a windswept plain looking up at the slopes of Mount Olympus. The youngest brother, a muscular man with blonde curls and a severe face, twirled a golden staff, static electricity sparking from its ends. His elder brother, lean and strong, with long dark locks and piercing blue eyes, stood next to him, leaning on a silver trident. Their eldest brother was taller than the other two, but thin, with sharp features and eyes like black holes. He shifted back and forth pensively, holding a sword made of iron blacker than the most moonless night ever seen. The middle brother turned to his younger brother and spoke. Are we sure we're ready, Zeus? This is the day we've waited 20 years for, Poseidon. Today, we liberate the people from our father's tyranny. Today, they shall see that Kronos is only a man and not a mighty titan. Ares, are your warriors ready? Zeus looked over to his war chief, resplendent in bronze armor, gleaming in the hot summer sun. We are ready, Lord Zeus. But my men are getting nervous standing next to these corpses. Hades, can you please get your men to form up? Hades clinched his fist around the hilt of his black sword and the army of dead men at his back stood at attention. That's better. Thank you. Please, just promise me that should I fall today, you won't use that to raise me up again. Hephaestus, you've outdone yourself. Poets will sing of these weapons long after we've passed on. You are truly the most gifted armorer who ever lived. Thank you, Lord Zeus. I only hope they are a match for that scythe your father wields. That they are and more, I am sure. Zeus turned to face the throng of soldiers who had rallied to his banner, eager to throw off the yoke of the evil Kronos. Today, my friends, we fight to bring peace and freedom to our homes, to show the world that mighty Kronos is a false deity. We will rid this land of his terror, and no longer bow to the whims of the Titans! Onward, my loyal companions! To victory! To freedom! Welcome to Tales from Avastrum, Titan's Vengeance. Episode 1 The pale light emanating from the edges of the room was hardly enough to see by. While the table was still there, the golden globe-like device that was there earlier had disappeared, taking its passengers with it. Deputy Headmaster of Avastrum, Alator Boudreau, his granddaughter and Department of Mysteries agent Anastasia Boudreau, or Scorpio Douglas and Craven Bloodthorn, headmaster of the Tibernac School of Magic, had touched the carefully calibrated device and disappeared into time, searching for Avastrum headmaster Clark Dowling. 
their mission was straightforward, and they'd been due back within 45 minutes. It had now been more than three hours. Former Secretary of Magic Polonius Aberfoyle paced back and forth in front of the table, his brow furrowed, tugging absentmindedly at the ends of his mustache. He kept reaching up and trying to readjust the shoulder strap of the sling cradling his left arm. Charm's professor, Shadow Wiseacre, leaned against the wall, staring intently as if willing the four dark hunters into existence from the reaches of time. Reginald Kinton, the school's major domo, stood placidly in the corner, hands clasped behind his back. Aberfoyle stopped mid-pace. Do you think I calibrated it correctly? I'd never forgive myself if I messed up. I know you did, Professor. Headmaster Bloodthorne checked it himself, remember? I know, but they should have been back by now. And please, call me Polonius. We're both faculty now. Shadow hesitated slightly. I know I can, Professor... Polonius. It's still weird. I only graduated a couple years ago. <laughs> Fair enough. In your own time, then. Polonius continued his pacing. The door to the room cracked a bit, and Quidditch coach Jolene Latrova peeked her head in. Any word? Not yet. How long has it been? Reginald pulled out a large old pocket watch and clicked it open, revealing a dial with many multicolored hands. Shadow could barely make out the four hands colored green with silver stripes, pointing to a spot on the face marked Mortal Peril. They should have been back precisely two and one half hours ago. Shadow could see the small green and silver hands twitch, then spin counterclockwise at a dizzying rate. Look, your watch. Oh, thank Merlin, they're coming. A soft humming filled the room, followed by a repetitive screeching sound as soft light pulsed and danced above the table. There was a bright flash of light, and then the four travelers appeared, as if poured out of the table onto the floor, their index fingers touching the device in its center. You're late, which is a damn wonder considering you had a time device at your disposal. We were worried sick! It was then that they realized that all four of the freshly returned time travelers were breathing heavily. Scorpio had a cut on his left arm right above the bicep, causing a fresh curtain of blood down to his elbow. Alator looked like he'd taken a punch from a prize fighter. His left eye was cut and swollen, and a trickle of blood seeped from the corner of his mouth. Anastasia was cradling her right wrist. Only Craven appeared to be no worse for wear. Anastasia winced as she flexed her fingers, then looked directly at Polonius. Nice to see you too, Cass. Oh, don't worry about us, we're fine. Let's talk about you and your disappointment with us being late. No, my word, what happened to you three? This was supposed to be a quick extraction mission, in and out. Scorpio touched the cut on his arm hesitantly as he answered Polonius. We made it, and started the mission, but then got cut off from the device. I'll go get Dr. Jones. Shadow quickly passed Jolene and headed down the hall. 
Who cut you off? Hessian soldiers. We tried to stay low and double back, but they caught wind of us, and we had to fight our way out. Uh, I took a bayonet to the arm. Alator touched his face gingerly. I believe I ended up on the butt end of a musket. I think I broke my wrist bailing these two jerks out. That she did. And in our rush, we couldn't pilot this damn thing close enough. Sorry we're late. Polonius looked at Bloodthorn, standing placidly with his hands folded in front of him, gloved fingers entwined. His coat didn't even look dirty, thought Polonius. How'd you manage not to get hurt? Foresight has its privileges. And yet you still managed to miss Clark again? He should have been within a few hundred feet of where you ended up. The four weary travelers looked at each other, and the undeniable look of defeat spread across their faces. No. He was nowhere to be found. That's impossible. The last clue said that he- kid. He wasn't there. I don't know what to tell you. Anastasia made her way around the table to Jolene. We all wanted him to be there. We waited for an extra six hours to make sure we didn't miss him. That's why we ran across the Hessians. He never showed up. Either we missed the timing, or the clue was bad. I decoded that myself. I'm sure it was right. The door opened again, and Dr. Signa Jones made her way into the room, followed closely by Gwen de Grants, her student intern and Parador House Prefect. Both had their wands in hand. Dr. Jones had a stern look on her face. Trying to get yourselves killed again, I see. Oh, now we're just trying to make sure you get to have a little fun. Cygna snorted at this. She turned to Gwen and said, Why don't you give it a try? Gwen pointed the tip of her wand at the gash on Alator's eyebrow. Cutinesco. At once, the cut fused shut leaving behind a nasty bluish bruise. You're going to want to put some ice on that. She turned to Scorpio and did the same for his arm. Meanwhile, Dr. Jones passed her wand over Anastasia's wrist, frowning the entire time. You've got a spiral fracture in your radius. Come with me to the hospital wing. We can get you patched up. She turned to Polonius. You sure you don't want me to take care of that? She pointed to his left arm in its sling. No thanks, Dr. Jones. I can't afford to lose flexibility in the shoulder joint. It'll mess up my flying. Have it your way. Chickens don't fly, Polonius. Falcon, damn it, you know that. All right, enough. Mission debrief in my office, 10 minutes. Cigna led Anastasia gently out of the room and to the hospital wing while the others filed out behind them. A short while later, Alator, Craven, and Polonius sat in three high-backed leather chairs in front of the fire roaring in Alator's office. Alator held a small crystal tumbler to the bruise above his eye, which was now turning a deep purple. Polonius tugged at his collar, perspiration forming on his brow. Isn't it a bit warm for a fire, Alator? It's the middle of July. And Dr. Jones said ice for that. There's ice in the whiskey. 
And I just spent the last eight hours freezing on a battlefield in New Jersey, all right? Polonius acquiesced and looked at Craven. How do we keep managing to be there too late? Between the clues from Clark and your divination, we should be arriving right on time. Honestly, I don't know. He should have been right there. Professor Boudreaux thought of the Scythe of Kronos, which Clark had been wielding to save the existence of time itself when he disappeared. Maybe the power of the Scythe is thwarting us. But we have the Scythe. Not all of it. You said it yourself, Craven. A piece is missing. Perhaps that's why the Scythe is inert. Alator stood up from his chair and leaned against the mantle over the fire. I think it's time to call off the search. You can't be serious. We're getting our clocks cleaned out there, Cass. We're damn lucky it wasn't a lot worse today. And for what? Every time we show up, Clark isn't even there. Sooner or later, someone is gonna end up dead, and I know Clark wouldn't want that. Clark would never leave one of us behind. He gave up a year of his life to help me when I was on the run, and I'm going to repay the favor, even if it takes me the next 10. So you can give up if you want, but I'm going to keep trying. You think I want to abandon him? God, it was my own son that caused this. Alator, we've been over this. Algernon wasn't your son. No, not in this timeline, but I- I can't believe I'm saying this, but I agree with Craven for once. We have to keep going. All right. Fine. But we need to know more about what we're up against. Clearly something is keeping Clark from waiting for us at these rendezvous points. I can take Anastasia and Mordecai back to Alexandria and do some more research. There's got to be something about the scythe in there. Good. Raven. We'll let you know when we have another message. I need to return to Timernak. Let me know as soon as you have something. I'll be waiting. Craven and Polonius arose and headed for the door. Polonius looked back over his shoulder at his friend. We're gonna find him, Alator. I know it. Alator gave him a grim nod. As the door shut behind them, he downed the rest of his whiskey in a gulp and stared into the fire. Reginald stepped forward from the shadows in the corner of the room, took Alator's glass from him, and waved a wand over it. Ice cubes clinked into it from thin air, followed by more whiskey. Reginald handed the glass back to the deputy headmaster, who placed it back on his eye. Thank you. I'm not sure what to do here, Reggie. I feel so lost sometimes without Clark here to guide us. The headmaster would not have appointed you as his deputy if he didn't trust your judgment, sir. Thanks, Reggie. That means a lot. A soft knock at the door startled Alator from his brooding. <sighs> Come in. The door swung open, and head boy Jasper Glass entered, with Lobostro Prefect E.J. Bumble a half-step behind. Oh, I don't mean to be rude, boys, but can this wait until morning? I just got back from a very tough mission, and I need to rest. We don't disagree. 
Quite the opposite, in fact. We're here to help lighten your load. Oh? How so? We want to go on these missions with you. No. I've told you, you're not going. Why not? Mr. Glass, if I have told you once, then I've told you a thousand times. You are a student, left in my care. And I will be damned if I let you go back in time and get yourself killed. Student or not, I'm an adult. The risk is mine to take. If you're looking for Clark, I want in. Yeah, and if he were here and we were looking for you... Well, he's not! I am! Alator slammed his hand down on the mantle, making everyone in the room jump. I don't care how Clark would have done it. Now, we're doing it my way. And my way is students don't go! That is the end of this discussion. I want you both out of my office, now. Fine, you did this. I'm requesting a board for immediate graduation. <laughs> Good try, kid. You can't. School's not in session. The hell I can't. According to the school rules, and I quote, any student may request a board for graduation when they deem themselves ready. There's no mention of term. Right, Reggie? Back me up here. Unfortunately, the head boy is correct. He is to have his case heard within a fortnight of his declaration. Oi! I want one too. EJ! Really? Yeah. I have more to offer in this search than just sitting here doing research all day. I'm a curse breaker for Merlin's sake. You lot might need me to help unlock some clues or see something you missed. I need to be in the field, and if the only way to do that is as a graduate, then sign me up. Alator drew a ragged breath. These kids will get themselves killed, he thought. Was he ever this impetuous, this foolhardy? He knew the answer even before he finished the thought. Of course he was. He chuckled slightly. You kids are gonna kill me. Again. Fine. Two weeks from today, you are both to report to my office. Jasper at nine in the morning, EJ at ten. Do not be late. The narrator is played by Stephanie Prue. Poseidon. Played by Mike Ashley. Ares is played by Cody Miller. Zeus is played by Matthew Bianchi. Hephaestus is played by Barrett Giant. Polonius Aberfoil is played by Chad Patton. Shadow Weisinger is played by Haley Munoz. Jolene Latrova is played by Jolene Frescas. Reginald Kinton is played by Matthew Bianchi. Anastasia Boudreaux is played by Rachel Finley. Scorpio, played by Mike Ashley. Alatoa Boudreaux is played by Cody Miller. Craven Bloodthorn is played by Joshua Thomas. Dr. Signa Jones is played by Diana Jones. Gwendolyn DeGrantz is played by Sarah Jenkins. 
Jasper Glass is played by Jesse Davis. EJ Bumble is played by Lainey Flanagan. Join us next time for episode two of Tales from Abistrum, Titan's Vengeance. For more info, please visit our website at www.avastrum.org, visit our Facebook page, or search for Avastrum on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, stand tall and raise your wands high.